0: you know that my mother lost her vision six years ago her eyes are perfect there aren't any issues with her eyes but she had an issue with blood flow to her optic nerve and so one morning she told me that she saw a shadow and as that week unfolded the shadow just increased she can't see anything at all you could take a flashlight and put it right in front of her she wouldn't have any idea But my mom still lives in the house where she and my dad raised my brother and me. And we want her to stay there because she knows where everything is. My mom always had a certain place. And even now, if I were to to go over there, she would say, would you get me that red top? If you'll look in the closet, there's a white top and it's just to the right of it. I want the red one just to the left. Or if you need electrical tape, if you need scissors, if you need a handgun. I'm kidding about that. (laughs) If you need whatever, my mother can tell you exactly where in that house that object is. I mean, if it's something in my brother's old room, my old room, their room, she knows where everything is. Now, some of the objects that she has in, in her home are the same as some of those that you have. They're, they're very inexpensive. You run to the Dollar General and you can pick them up very cheaply. But some of the things that my mom still has are family, con- um, not heirlooms, you know, but they're just family possessions that even if they aren't worth a lot of money, they hold a lot of sentimental value. There's a, there's a cherishing to them. So, in your house, you have the exact same thing. There are some things that you say, man, this is expensive. We have to take care of it. Or it may not be expensive, but it's important to our family. And then there are some other objects. All scattered throughout your home, you've got remote controls. You can't ever find them. But you've got remote controls. You maybe have vases in which you keep flowers. You have picture frames. You have paper plates. You have sheets that go on the bed. Every house has all different types of objects. So does God's house. Now, I'm not talking about, as we sometimes do, God's house as a church building. Seldom in Scripture does God, does, does, God said that a building is his house. But there are some, some occasions where he talks about that. But in the New Testament, specifically when God mentioned his house, he's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the advancement of the good news of Jesus Christ. In this letter that Paul wrote, I mentioned to you, it's the very last one that he wrote. He talked about this metaphor of objects or vessels in God's house. And so would you open your Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want us to read these words together. Paul wrote them to Timothy, who was a young man that he had mentored, discipled, trained, equipped, and then then he appointed him to be the pastor of the church in Ephesus. And so in verse 20 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, here's what Paul wrote. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. I don't like that translation honorable there. You might have something that says common or ordinary. That's the one that I think is better because it's not talking about objects that you use for impure motives, just more for common, ordinary, everyday tasks. So then in verse 21, So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his patients I'm sorry, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. Then they will then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Paul talked about the various objects that God has in his house. And just like we have objects that are paper plates, forks, remote controls, sheets on the bed, every object has a use in God's house. Every vessel, every object that God has has a use, has a purpose. So let me share some ideas from uh, from this passage before we take communion together. First, God has all types of objects in his house. In verse 20, Paul said, some of what God has in his large house are gold and silver vessels, but also there are some of wood and clay. The diversity of how God made us, the the way that he put us together, each one of us has a unique mix of personality, traits, characteristics, abilities, Passions, desires, gifts, none of us is identical to another because God specifically made us according to His design so that we can fulfill the specific purposes that He has for our lives. Let me use this as an example. This is a summer season and you may do a lot of traveling over the summer. Let's imagine that you are going to leave... Wednesday, not during vacation Bible school, let's imagine that you're going to leave Wednesday on a week-long trip. And before you leave town, you run to one of our McDonald's and you get a quarter pounder with cheese and then you load up and you head out on your vacation. Suppose that you're going to make a big circuit of the United States and your first stop is Atlanta, Georgia and you stop at a McDonald's In Atlanta, Georgia, if you order a quarter pounder with cheese, then it is going to taste exactly the same as the quarter pounder that you had in Columbus. And then suppose you dip down into the state of Florida. Maybe you go down to Tampa, Florida, and you stop at a McDonald's there, and you order a quarter pounder with cheese. It will taste identical to the one that you had in Atlanta and the one that you had in Columbus. And then say you go north, and you start making your way into South Carolina, North Carolina. You loop over into Ohio and Iowa, and then you come back. And all along the way, at every meal, you stop. And get a quarter pounder with cheese at McDonald's. Every single one of them will taste exactly the same. All of McDonald's have this trait. Their food tastes the same everywhere you go. And their ice cream machines do not work. <laughs> it's some, it, you just know that it is going to be the case. The reason that every quarter pounder with cheese tastes the same is because that's the way McDonald's wants it. They want you to be able to count on the, the same taste everywhere that you go so that you know what you're getting. And so somewhere in this world, Alaska, wherever, they have this big frozen something that has these little discs of something. And they ship them out to all of their restaurants and all they do is heat them up because they're identical But if we were to load up and go over to West Point, my hometown, and we were to go just north of town to Stafford's Big Burger, if you were to get in line and order a cheeseburger, and then you were to go the next day and order a cheeseburger, they would not taste the same. In fact, if you were to get in line and order a cheeseburger and the person right behind you in line were to order a cheeseburger, those two cheeseburgers would not taste identical, even though they were ordered within seconds of each other. Because Stafford's doesn't have this big warehouse somewhere with frozen patties of something. They go to the grocery store early that morning and they purchase ground beef for what they're going to need for the day. And then when someone orders a a cheeseburger, they scoop some ground beef out, they start forming it, and then they put it on the little griddle, and it is cooked with their own seasoning. It's made uniquely. You are made uniquely. No person here is an exact duplication of anyone else We may have some similarities. There may be some things that we share in common. There may be some things that you say, man, you're you're a lot like me in that, but none of us is identical to anyone else because God says when I am using the objects in my house, when I'm using the vessels in my house, I've got some gold ones, some silver ones, some wood ones, some clay ones, and I have specific purposes for all of them. Individually tailored to who those people are. And so it's important for us then to say, God, what are your plans for me? God, what, what do you want to do in me and through me? God, I am an object, I am a vessel in your house. And so, how do I serve you well? There's a second idea that Paul mentions here, it's down in verse 21. He said that for us to serve God well, we have to be pure. If you look there in verse 21, he says, So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Paul says, Do you want God to use you? Do you want him to work through you? Do you want to be, be prepared for every good work that he desires to do through your lives? Paul said, Here's the one key you must be pure for people who openly live in compromise for people who say i know that this is what god wants me to do but honestly i just don't want to do it i would rather go my own way paul says that is a hindrance to god using you for every good purpose those of you who are moms and dads know that you love your children equally but you don't treat them the same. You treat them fairly, but you don't treat them the same because not every child shows the same level of responsibility. I just this past week was talking with a dad who said that his 16-year-old son is furious with him because, he, because the parents will not let him get his driver's license. The older brother who is now 19 did get his drivers get did get his driver's license at night at 16 but the parents won't let their younger son get his drive and he says, "Well, you let Eric or Matt or whatever the older son's name, you let him get get his driver's license at 16 and they said because he was more mature than you are." <laughs> and he said, "I am mature." started rolling around on the ground. The older son did get his driver's license at the age of 16. And the younger son hasn't yet gotten his driver's license. And the dad said, I don't know when we're going to let him get it because he has not shown that he's ready for it. There are some plans that perhaps God intends to accomplish in our lives. But he's holding up on them because we have not yet shown that we are ready. There are lots of people who go through their lives saying, say, Oh God, I want you to do big things through me. God, I want you to use me in big ways. God, I really want you to work through me. And God says, Well, then purify yourselves. One of the most tragic thoughts to me for any person who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ is that God would say, if you only knew what I wanted to do in your life, but you're, you're just not ready for it. I'm ready for it. I want to do this. But you are not pure. Paul could not have been more clear He said, if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, God will not use us effectively as long as we have known impurities that we refuse to do anything about. If anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, then he will be a special instrument set apart Useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Let me use several analogies here. If you have played or do play on some sort of athletic team, let's say you're a basketball player. On the basketball court, you don't have five point point guards playing at the same time. You don't have five centers playing at the same time. You don't have five forwards playing at the same time. You need a diversity of those types of abilities. You need some short people who can shoot. You need some tall people who can rebound. You have a diversity of people on the court. If you're a baseball or softball player, you don't have nine pitchers on the field at the same time. You don't have nine catchers on the field at the same time. You don't have nine first basemen. You have one of each position out on the field with their diversity filling their, those particular roles. If you're a musician, if you're in a band, you don't have all trumpets on the field. You don't have all clarinets on the field. You don't have all drummers on the field. If you were in a you know, in a worship band, you don't have all lead guitarists. You don't have all drummers. You don't have all bassists, bass players, although some people say bass players aren't musicians. And so you have different types of things going on, but the diversity of the the vessels, the objects, has one thing in common. They have to be ready to do their jobs. No matter which position they fill, they must be able to do their jobs. And God says, that's what I've got. I have a house full of diverse, beautifully designed people that I intend to, to use in numbers of ways, but they must be pure. They must say, lay before me, God says, anything that prevents their serving me effectively. Then there's one last idea that I want you to see in this passage. And it's really an application of verse 21. It's it's how do we put this into practice in terms of purifying ourselves. Down in verse 22 Paul said, So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. One of the ways that we purify ourselves is we begin taking stock of our lives, we begin evaluating. If you're really bold, you ask, we ask someone who is close to us and, and ask them to hold us accountable. Is there anything that you see in me that is inconsistent with how I am supposed to live as a follower of Jesus Christ? And then whenever we discover those areas, we flee from them. We don't just kind of step away from them a little bit. The word flee is an intense word. It's sort of like, I know I've seen all these pictures on Facebook of people finding snakes in, on their back porches, their carports, things like that. And if that were to happen in downtown Columbus, WCBI would have a news story on the fastest human being ever seen running in downtown Columbus. And I, look, I'm going to tell you, I've seen lots of people running from crime scenes in downtown Columbus, but they would not be running nearly as quickly as if I walked up and there was a snake. What Paul says here is, Timothy, don't just say, oh, that's something that I should avoid. I, I probably need to get away from it. I, I, I don't need to do that, Paul says, Run as fast as you can. Flee it. There are people in this room wrestling with areas of life that you know this does not please the Lord. Flee it. Get away from it. Don't, don't say, I, I probably should. Paul says, get away from it. And then he says to run just as fast Toward what we know we need in our lives. Don't just flee the youthful passions. He says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Nobody ever gets somewhere by accident. We always get to goals, accomplishments, things that we want to reach on purpose. But somehow we think that without applying any effort or discipline or diligence that somehow God is just going to zap us and all of a sudden we're going to be mature Christians. It doesn't happen that way. Paul said we have to pursue these things. And then another application of this purifying ourselves is that he says we maintain wholesome relationships with others. Verse 23 says, But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach in patience, instructing his opponents with gentleness. And then it goes on to talk about the people who, who oppose uh, the people of the Lord. One of the best ways that you can evaluate someone's character is watch how they act when they get upset. Watch what they type. Watch what they say when they get upset. (coughs) Paul says that's an impurity that needs to be removed. If we're going to be able to allow God to use us, then we need to maintain relationships that aren't marred by ignorant and foolish disputes. Now, I don't know some of the conflicts that you've had in your lives, but I can think about some of the issues that I have been upset over or that people have been upset over with me. And they very often fall into these two categories, ignorant and foolish. Sometimes we have major issues that really drive a wedge. But if if your life is like mine, many of the things that upset us, we later think, say, that really wasn't such a big deal. And Paul says, so don't let that anger, resentment, whatever, keep God from using you. God has all types of people in his house that he intends to use for various purposes... And it's up to us to allow Him to do it. Now we're going to observe communion together today and we're going to do this in a little different way. If you were here for...